You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're coming to you today on Tuesday, September 27th, day after the Giants lost to the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Just a reminder, wherever you listen to podcasts, please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio to uh, check out my show and the Chris and Nick show as well. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, share, subscribe there as well. All right, with me uh, with me today, as uh, has become customary this season on the, the day after games, is uh, Big Blue Views Tony Del Genio as we, uh, as we break down uh, Monday night's game. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. It's been a crazy couple of days. It's it's always hectic. Game days are always crazy. Monday night football games are always crazy. It's uh it, it, it's a long, long day. You know, Monday night football games. It's uh I, I'm too old for these, Tony. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too old to work until three thirty or four in the morning. <laughs> but uh, I remember, I remember days of staying up late uh, to work, and uh, yeah. But, but but uh but it is what it is and uh we 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 have to start with uh we have to start with with the news that that we heard uh today regarding Sterling Shepard and it was pretty obvious last night when we saw the uh, the injury that he suffered it was pretty obvious that that if this was not a minor injury and Brian Dable confirmed today that Shepard did indeed suffer a torn ACL. He will be out for the season. He will be placed on injured reserve. And, you know, I, I, I could tell walking around the Giants locker room last night that players were as upset as they were about losing the game. I think a lot of guys that have been with Shep for, for a while were were more upset about Shepard's injury than they were about losing the game, just which speaks to the kind of guy that he is and and how important he's been to to that room. Well, he's the he's the longest tenured giant, and uh, he's been a great player for them over the years. I mean, not just a good receiver, but uh, but a good blocking receiver, which you know not that many receivers are, and uh, it's got to be just just heart wrenching to go through all of that rehab for an ACL and then come back and several games in all of a sudden you've, you've got it again. And uh, yeah, he had the, the first one was an Achilles. So yeah, last year was an Achilles, but you're, but you're absolutely right. I mean, to work as hard as he did 
to to get back and then suffer another injury like this and and we said it last night you know those of us in the press box kind of looked at each other and said you know we we might have just watched Sterling Shepard's career end yeah certainly certainly you have to think that his career with the Giants ended and Maybe his career overall. I mean, you you have to wonder what goes through his head after all the injuries he suffered through his career. Uh, you know, you rehab from this one just to get back to where you're walking, you know, normally again and, and able to do simple things. And you say, you know, do I really want to even try to play football uh, right. at this point? Because it, his career has just been one injury after another, after another, after another. Right. For the last, the last few years, it's, uh, it, it definitely has been that way. It's been, uh, concussions and quad injuries and hamstring injuries and, and the Achilles injury. And, and now this, and, you know, you wonder if, uh, if he'll look at it and, and, and say, it's time to walk away. And even if he doesn't want to walk away, you wonder if anyone will give him a chance to, uh, to, to try again, I, I would seriously doubt that, that the Giants would. Yeah, yeah, I think at this point they've had so many injuries on their team and, and such bad health problems with their wide receiver core in particular that, that you have to think that they've got to go in a different direction next time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, it's funny because listening to Brian Dable talk on Tuesday afternoon in his uh, day after game press conference, he was asked about the turf at MetLife Stadium. And everybody, everybody, when when they think, think about Giants injuries, everybody wants to to blame something. They want to blame the training staff or they want to blame the coaching staff or they want to blame the strength coach or and and the field turf at MetLife Stadium is a is a popular thing to blame but what do you blame for Shepard's injury last night which was a non-contact injury suffered when he was jogging in a straight line he didn't catch his feet in the turf he didn't catch a cleat he didn't twist an ankle or twist a knee or slip he was jogging down the field and he popped an ACL. So yeah. there's there's nothing and no one you can blame for something like that. It just happened. Yeah. I read somewhere that he might have twisted his knee on a, on a previous play or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not. And maybe that just set him up for that. But obviously the play where he got injured itself didn't look like anything was catching in the turf or anything like that. He was just kind of, as you say, jogging, jogging along and, and it just gave out. Right. Yeah. I had, uh, Brian Dable referenced something about that today as well, that there might have been something, you know, a couple of plays before that, you know, when they, I guess when they watched the the film, they looked at, you know, something that might've happened awkwardly with him a couple plays prior to that. But, but injuries are injuries. They're unfortunate. Best of luck to Shep. I mean, if he wants to continue to play, hopefully somebody gives him a chance, but uh, hopefully, you know, he recovers. And, and it was, a, like I said, it was a tough scene in the Giants locker room last night. It was a, uh, you know, as we, as we turn our attention to the game itself, it was kind of a, a, a sober scene in the locker room, you know, that, after a two and zero start, a lot of good feelings about the Giants, and 
and you know everybody was hoping for three and oh maybe four and oh because we've got chicago coming up here this sunday and this this was a bit of a reality check for the giants in that they're not fixed they have issues at wide receiver that even before shepherd's injury they have issues along the offensive line they have depth issues on defense and these are the kinds of things that that aren't going to get fixed this year they're just not because joe shane brian dable have only had one off season it's going to take time to fix some of those issues and the giants are just going to have to work around some of the things that we've seen through three weeks and you know you know being realistic about it um yeah, the Giants are are not a contending team right now. I mean, I, I you know I got caught up in it as much as anyone. You imagine uh, the possibility of them winning this game and going to three and zero with, the, as you say, the chance of four and zero next weekend before they have to go to go uh, overseas to play Green Bay. And you say, wow, could it be? Could they possibly actually sneak into the playoffs this year? But but everybody knows that the Giants are not really a contending team. And so when you see all the injuries, you have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. Uh, compare the Giants situation, for example, to say the LA Chargers, who obviously saw themselves as a contender, not only to win their division, but to go and make noise in the playoffs because they have all the confidence in the world in their, in their quarterback, and rightly so. And they added free agents this year and, and have made several good draft choices to improve their offensive line and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, three weeks into the season, they're one and two. Uh, Herbert's got an injury that's going to linger all, all season. Other guys, Rashawn Slater's out for the year. Other guys are injured on the line. All of a sudden, you know, the sky is falling uh, for them. That's a team that's, that's really affected by injuries because this was a year they thought they might actually have a chance to really make some noise. Uh, as Giants fans, you know, I think we know that the best we could hope for this year is to get to respectability. And if you want to sneak into the playoffs with a nine and eight record or something like that, and then lose in the first round or something, uh, well, then, you know, that would be a tremendous season for the giants, but realistically we're, we're in, in a rebuilding mode. And so uh, while last night was a disappointment and the injury is a disappointment among the other injuries, they, I, to me, they can afford it now more than, than they might be able to afford it a year or two from now. Well, when you, you have to, for me, you have to take a big picture look with the Giants. And it's, it's very easy to get caught up in week to week. You know, what happened, the, the sort of recency bias, I guess, the last thing that you saw is, is the most important thing. And, and with, with this version of the New York Giants, it's probably not. I mean, if you if you take a big picture look, you've got to be happy that they're two and one after three weeks. I think even regardless of what happens on Sunday against the Bears, I think if you told Giants fans that the Giants would be two and two after four weeks, I think Giants fans would have signed up for that because the Giants haven't sniffed 500 in a long time. They haven't, you know, they haven't, haven't played respectable football in, in years now. I mean, it's been five consecutive double digit loss seasons. They entered this season and tied with the, the jets for, you know, worst record in football since 2017. So I, I think if you look at the big picture, there are still, 
you know, signs of, of, of progress, it's easy to look at the things that happened last night and you know, Evan Neal struggled, the offensive line struggled, the wide receivers are a mess there. You know, Leonard Williams is hurt. Aaron Robinson's hurt. There's no depth on defense. It's easy to look at it and say the sky is falling. I think it's harder to look at it and, and, and identify the things to feel good about. And there are some, there are still some, you know, two wins in three games is, is nothing to sneeze at. So I think if you look at the big picture, it still feels to me like some progress is being made, but this team, this roster is a long way from where Joe Shane and Brian Dable want it to be. And, you know, you, you know, you say, you know, playing respectably, uh, the fact is, last night, their offensive line was dominated by the Cowboys' defensive line. Not surprising because the Cowboys' defensive line is one of the one of the best in the in the NFL. Uh, the Cowboys' offensive line mostly dominated the Giants' defensive line, uh, particularly. Well, it, it, I'd say both against in, in run and pass. Uh, and uh, and the Giants' wide receiver situation is a mess. Yet, with a couple of minutes to go in the game, Giants were down seven with the ball. Right. With the chance to tie. So, right. you know, as, as, as poorly as things went in several areas last night, they weren't blown out by this right. team. And they're, they're hanging in games. They're, they're a, a tough, gritty team. I thought Daniel Jones played one of the best games I've seen him play as a Giant last night, even though the stats don't necessarily show it. Uh, and, you know, I thought Saquon Barkley, he's, he, he really looks like the old Saquon Barkley now. Uh, yeah, there are there are good things to see, and this is to me, this is not a terrible team anymore. No, and and Tony, let's talk about Daniel Jones a little bit. It's funny because I I did a radio show on uh, on Tuesday morning uh, before I before I came home from New Jersey, and Jones was a big topic of conversation. You know. There's another game last night when you look at the stats, no touchdown passes, through an interception, less than 200 yards passing, still doesn't have a 200-yard passing game this year. You can, you can look at the stats and not be impressed. You can look at the fact that the Giants scored 16 points, one touchdown, and say, oh, you know, Daniel Jones, he's terrible. He's got to be replaced. And the reality of it is that he may not be the answer at quarterback. But I looked at Jones last night and my, you know, what do you expect the guy to do last night? You know, he, he was hit. He was sacked five times. He was, he was pressured. I don't know. Next gen stats had it at, you know, 40% of his passes when he wasn't sacked, he was, he was pressured. And I think it was a lot more than that. The the giants best offense last night for the most part was, was Jones running for his life and, you know, turning it upfield. And, and I think he ran for first downs four different times. You know, I just, I don't know, you know, you know to me, last night doesn't say, oh, Daniel Jones is a star and, he, and, and he's the quarterback for the next five years. But I don't, I don't think you can look at last night's game and complain about what Daniel Jones did last night because with, with what was going on around him, I don't know how much more the guy could have done. 
Yeah, I thought he was heroic last night. Uh, now I'll I'll leave myself open to to the people who analyze film who during the week will show us what he did and did not do, and maybe there were downfield receivers open all night and he just wasn't seeing them and throwing to them. I you know you can't see that on a TV broadcast very easily, but from what I could see, he, as you say, he was running for his life the entire time, and I thought he played his butt off trying to make plays, not not exposing uh himself to risk all that often he made a couple of beautiful throws the pass completion to richie james uh, along the sideline being i think the the number one i thought he really looked great last night and again you you have to ask you know well who's the opponent and if you look at the opponent uh the dallas cowboys have played three games they've yet to give up 20 points to anyone and that's against tampa bay and against cincinnati They've both held both. They've held held both of those teams under twenty points, and the Giants got sixteen on them. And again, they had the had the ball. And if not for another one of these ridiculous uh, downfield offensive pass interference penalties, the second week in a row the Giants have been caught on one of those. You know, maybe they would have been in position to to score more points in this game. So I don't see this as a as a terrible performance by any means by by daniel jones i'm not saying that i think he's he's the answer i'm pretty sure they're going to wind up going quarterback shopping next year but daniel jones is a quarterback who belongs in this league and he's a quarterback who can do some damage i was i i was uh watching a, a little clip from from one of the morning shows uh, this morning with uh, jeff saturday the ex uh, colts alignment on it and he was saying you know josh allen wasn't josh allen until he got stefan diggs um Tua wasn't Tua until he got tyreek hill and he had one more example of that of how adding a top flight receiver made a big difference to the quarterback well i'm not saying that that daniel jones will ever turn into uh, josh allen i think the odds of that are very very small but he hasn't had anything close to a stefan diggs or a tyreek hill the entire time and if you look at who he's got now and who's gonna gonna have for the rest of the season you know he's got a bunch he's got a bunch of of never beens has beens and 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 the walking wounded that he's got to to throw to at the moment and it, i don't know how much you can expect i don't think you're going to get too many of those 400 yard performances even if the offensive line shores up vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Right. So let's uh, let's talk about that wide receiver group a little bit. Obviously, Shepard down for the season. Obviously, the Giants have tried 
Dave Gettleman tried. Joe Shane has tried to upgrade that group of playmakers. Um, you go back. I mean, you look look at this roster. Gettleman drafted Darius Slayton in the fifth round a couple years back. Big money spent on Kenny Galladay. A first-round pick spent on Kadarius Toney. Even this year, Joe Shane drafting Wondale Robinson in the second round. And what are we looking at? We're looking at a Kenny Galladay who's obviously not the player that Dave Gettleman paid for. And I don't know if that's just a, a, if he just doesn't fit in New York. I don't know if physically he's not the same guy that, that he used to be. Wandale Robinson hasn't been able to get on the field. Kadarius Tony is, it seems like he's never on the field. So yeah, the Giants are are throwing the ball to uh, to to David Sills and and Richie James and and I don't know who else at this point, but mm-hmm. you know, but that wide receiver core and 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 as I said earlier, that's just that's just not going to get fixed this season. It's yeah. you, you're not going to be able to fix it mid season on the fly, so. It's disappointing because I think on paper when training camp started, I think we all would have said or we all would have been optimistic that that group of playmakers together you know, might have given the Giants something. But obviously right now that doesn't look to be the case. Yeah, and you have to wonder going forward, you know, who are the wide receivers on the 53 even going to be? And the options aren't great out there since the Giants only have a few million dollars in cap space to spend. I mean, there was all this talk about them looking into Cole Beasley, and you could imagine Cole Beasley coming back and reuniting with with Brian Dable. That would have made sense, except for the fact that Cole Beasley doesn't want to play for a league minimum salary, which you can't blame him at this point in his career for, for holding out for something uh, better. Uh, and so, you know, that's not going to happen. No. Well, who else are they going to do? Are they going to, are they going to resign Alex Bachman? Well, let's say they do. Alex Bachman didn't make the 53 in the first place. And so it's not as if he's going to be a miracle worker. I'm going to bring back John Ross from last year. Well, I actually like John Ross last year. He made a couple of ni- really nice plays for the Giants, but he's another guy who throughout his career can't stay on the field because he's always injured. Uh, so how are they going to fill out the the wide receiver room on this team for the rest of the season is going to be really interesting week by week story. Right. And the, the elephant in the room when it comes to wide receiver and the guy that, that people always want to talk about and giants fans always want to talk about the elephant in the room. And you're, you're, you're laughing because you know where I'm going, Tony, the elephant in the room is Odell Beckham jr. And I'm just going to say this. There's, virtually zero chance that Odell Beckham returns to the New York Giants this season. It's not going to happen. First of all, it's the same thing you mentioned with Cole Beasley. The Giants have virtually no cap space. Odell Beckham is not coming to the Giants on a one-year veteran minimum deal for a million bucks. That's not happening. And that's basically what the Giants have to offer. The other thing is Odell Beckham is, I think, 29 years old at this point. He's had two torn ACLs. He had the the bad injury, you know, with the Giants before, you know, bef- when he was still with, with the Giants. I think that was 2016 or 17 when he had that injury. I don't remember exactly. I think it might have been 
might have been 17, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But he's had a lot of injuries. He's a guy who he sees his football mortality. It's a nice romantic story. Odell Beckham returns to the Giants, yada, yada, yada. But Odell Beckham is going to go someplace where the team he goes to has a chance to be playing in the Super Bowl at the end of this season. And that's not the Giants. I'm sorry. It, it's completely unrealistic to think that Odell Beckham you know, would, uh, would really want to return to New York. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, the question arises and I don't claim to know the answer to this, but you know, what do they do for for the rest of the season, not just to fill out the roster, but then how they, how they call plays. And the thing that I'm wondering about is whether contrary to, to uh, my Kafka's and Brian Dable's nature, whether they might just change their whole approach to offense, do a lot of one, two personnel, there, emphasize the running game, maybe throw the ball to Barkley downfield a little more. Uh, yeah, have two tight ends in the game and just not use the wide receivers as, as much as, as possible. Brian Dable actually did run a decent bit of one two personnel his first couple of years with, with Josh Allen, if I remember correctly, before Josh Allen became the Josh Allen that we knew today. I think he realized he had a limited quarterback, he didn't have great receivers on the team, and so he had a more conservative uh heavy heavy personnel set uh to to run on offense it'll be interesting to me just to see how he actually tries how they actually try to to solve this problem because the kind of freewheeling one one throw the ball downfield type of offense that i think a lot of us would love to see the giants do for a change they just don't have the people to make that happen no they don't and and it would look better that wide receiver room will look better when Wandale Robinson is healthy, when Kadarius Tony is healthy, but right now we don't know when that's going to be. And our history with Kadarius Tony, of course, is if, if he's healthy now, that doesn't mean he's going to be healthy five minutes from now. So, <laughs> so yeah, so you, you just, so it's, it's, it's hard to rely on, but, and, and the Galladay situation, you know, if, if people aren't clear on this right now. There have been a lot of reports with Galladay that the Giants have been trying for quite a while now. They've been open to the idea of trading Galladay, and they've been open to the idea of swallowing a lot of the money that Galladay is owed in order to, to get that done, in order to move on from Kenny Galladay. And to this point, even with a willingness to uh, to take on a lot of that money, they have not found any takers. Now, maybe that changes as we get later in the season and teams get injuries and they figure out that they really need a, a wide receiver, you know, down the stretch to, to make a playoff run. But right now that's, that just has not been, you know, something that, that Joe Shane's been able to make happen. And the other thing people have to realize, they say, well, just cut him. And again, it comes back to cap space. You know this one, Tony. He's got a $21 million cap hit. Giants have $5 million in cap space. That cap goes up to $25 million and change. So it, if they cut him outright. So they spend 80% of their remaining cap space just to cut the guy. 
Mm-hmm. And, and they just they just can't afford to do that. So if they're going to move on from him this year, they've got to find somebody willing to take him and they'll have to eat most of the money. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And and I'm sure they don't have any problem. I'm, I'm guessing anyway, not that I know, but but I would guess that they have no problem eating the money. I think it's the cap space that you refer to it. The fact that there's that there's about four and a half million in 2023 obligation to Galladay that accelerates into 2022 if you if you cut him. And so right. if you trade him, uh, regardless of how much of his contract the Giants take on, is there a way to do the finances so that that whatever they take on doesn't count against the the 2022 cap and i would guess that has to be very high in joe shane's mind because you can't he can't get rid of that five million cap space that they that they have there or else they're in a completely untenable position for for the rest of the season of course the other side of the story is if the giants want to get rid of kenny galladay so much a guy who, who costs so much money what team out there would actually be interested in taking him on to see him as a as a possible uh, net asset if the guy has actually lost whatever speed he has and can't can't get himself open at all or or win 50 50 balls or anything like that anymore what team's going to possibly be interested in him so you know, my my guess is that he just remains a giant for the rest of the season because there's not an obvious path for me to to see him leave yeah that that could very well be true tony let's talk about uh the the offensive line a little bit and you know, we know that the interior of the offensive line is a work in progress. They have a center who is probably here for 2022 and gone at the end of the year in John Feliciano. They they have a a work in progress at left guard in with Ben Bredesen with third round pick Josh Azudu with Shane Lemieux still on IR. So and again what the Giants need is a is another offseason when they've got uh, you know, draft picks when they've got some money to spend to to supplement that group. You're not going to find the perfect answer to that this year, you know, unless one of those guys that that's currently on the roster steps up and plays above the level they've they've played at so far. But I th- I think the guy we really need to talk about is is Evan Neal and. You know, people on Twitter last night are going crazy. Evan Neal's a bust and Evan Neal stinks and the Giants shouldn't have drafted this guy. And if you thought Evan Neal was going to go through his career and never play a bad game, if you thought there weren't going to be growing pains, then then you pretty much rip Van Winkle to Andrew Thomas's rookie season. I mean, look at what Andrew Thomas is right now in his third NFL season. Andrew Thomas was the worst tackle in football two years ago. He graded as basically the worst offensive tackle in football, and look at where he is now. I continue to look at Evan Neal and say, you know, a bad game last night against a tremendous team. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence has made a lot of offensive tackles look bad for a very long time. And the, the Cowboys are, as you've said, a really good front. And they took advantage of the kid last night. And and I think he'll grow from it. I think he'll learn from it. I, I can't look at Evan Neal and say, oh, my God, the Giants made a mistake drafting this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, know, you, you mentioned Andrew Thomas. And as I know you're well aware, uh, for the second consecutive week, 
Andrew Thomas is the highest graded offensive tackle in the NFL, according to, to PFF. Uh, his grade as of after three games is like something like 90.3. And it's like, it's not just first in the NFL. It's like five points higher than any other offensive tackle in the NFL. So he not only has become a good offensive tackle, he shows every sign of being now a great offensive tackle. I mean, we're talking about somebody who looks like he's headed to the pro bowl this year. If not, all pro as left tackle and, and saying that for like left tackle, which is one of the most difficult positions to play is, is really something yet, as you say, he looked awful that, that rookie year. And there were a lot of things that contributed to that. But, but the fact is he has grown so much in, in two seasons uh, after that, that it's, that it's, it's just amazing to see you watch the film and, and guys are just not getting past him hardly, hardly at all. And so I'm very patient with, with Evan Neal. I understand he's got things to work on. Obviously his footwork isn't what uh, it should be at this point. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence beat him to the outside continually uh, because he, he could just couldn't get out there and, 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 and match him quickly enough. And he's got this problem of leaning over and, and losing his balance, which, uh, which hurts him. He did run block well last mm-hmm. night, which, which is good because early on he hadn't even run blocked. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. well. But uh, it's three games in, I'm, I'm willing to be patient with Evan Neal, especially since I know we're, we're you know, we're not on a Super Bowl mission th- this year. I just want to see him get established, slowly improve over the course of the season and then be a respectable tackle by the end of the year. And then, and then we'll go from there. And as somebody mentioned, uh, Evan Neal has played four different positions on the offensive line in the worst case scenario that he never figures out how to play right tackle at, at a, a, an NFL quality level in the league well you could move him into guard where the giants obviously have have a problem right now and Mm -hmm. and that's the solution for him it's certainly not the not the desired solution i want to see him become a stud Mm -hmm. right tackle the way andrew thomas has become on the left side but i'm i'm not worried about evan neal right now no and, and you're nowhere near having to make that decision either you you're three games into this young man's nfl career and you know, I was I was in the locker room last night, and you know, Evan Neal was a was a star high school player. He was maybe the best high school offensive lineman in the country. He was at Alabama a year ago. You know, he started at Alabama for four years. He was perhaps, you know, during his time at Alabama, the best offensive lineman in the country, at least you know toward the end of of his time at Alabama. What happened to him last night has never happened to him before. And he was, he was shell-shocked last night. He was sitting at his stool at his locker, surrounded by media, trying the best he could to answer questions. But this is one of those times when, when you're, you're watching this young man speak and you kind of wish that, that, your job didn't involve, you know, poking and prodding this young man after a game like that, because he wouldn't even look up from the floor. He was, he was staring at the floor as he answered questions and he wouldn't look up at anyone. You know, he was, he was ashamed of his performance. He was trying to digest it and he didn't make excuses for it. You know, he said he'd watch the film. He'd come back to work on Wednesday and, and try to get better. And, what will worry me is if the Giants play the Cowboys at the end of the season and he's not better. He's not, I mean, not perfect, 
but if he doesn't, you know, show some improvement by the end of the season, that would worry me. But but right now, he's three games into his career. He had a bad game. You you move on. Yeah, and I I have a hard time believing that so many people who who scouted him uh could be completely wrong about the potential of this guy to succeed in the NFL. I mean, people who know tons more certainly than than I do because I'm not an expert on 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 this at all. But you know, you have people like Duke Manyweather, who I think people respect pretty much as a judge of offensive linemen. And he thinks Evan Neal is gonna is gonna be great. Evan Neal was was you know one of the two or three highest ranked uh, offensive tackles in the draft by by virtually every draft analyst mm-hmm. out there. And yeah, you know, by all indications from from my vantage point on the outside of this, he has none of the he has none of the head problems that let's say somebody like an Eric Flowers had when he came to the Giants. Okay. Oh, and, did we did we did we have to mention that name? <laughs> well, but it's it's good as a red as a as a counterpoint. If people had doubts about Eric Flowers from the beginning, mm-hmm. and all he did was confirm those doubts, not just by his play, right. but by mm-hmm. his attitude, right? Uh, things, and you see none of those things with right. Neil. No, I have I have no doubt that Evan Neal will take the coaching from Bobby Johnson, from Brian Dable, from Mike Kafka, and continue to work and and be as good a player as he can be and, and there there are going to be bumps in the road and mm-hmm. and last night last night was obviously one of them anyway tony let's uh let, let's just close by spinning forward a little bit you've got the uh you've got the chicago bears coming to uh, to metlife stadium on sunday and there's there there's one you know key question you know, w- will anybody playing on Sunday actually be able to to complete a forward pass? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this is this is going to look like these old Giants Bears games from from my childhood. I think uh, uh, I think what uh, uh, Justin Fields has only I think completed uh, twenty three passes in in three His, games. <laughs> Giants fans want to complain about Daniel Jones, and yet. The the Chicago Bears have played three games. Justin Fields' highest passing yardage total in three games is 105 yards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that's just that's just jaw dropping in, in the modern NFL. But I think that that when you think about the Bears, you know, I'll I'll leave you with this. Or I'll, the big thing is, you know, that people are going to want to talk about is the trade the Giants made a year ago. And are the Bears happy with Justin Fields? I think the Bears did the right thing by moving up and taking that swing because you always take the swing on the quarterback when you can, when you, if you think you don't have the guy. I mean, the Giants are, are you know, going to the end of the earth here to figure out if, the, if Daniel Jones is the guy or not. And I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. The Bears are taking their swing with Justin Fields. And yes, Kadarius Tony might not have been the right pick, but I still believe that that trade was the right thing for the Giants to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't make that trade, you you get Kadarius Tony out of that trade, you get Aaron Robinson out of that trade, you get Daniel Bellinger, who's your starting tight end, out of that trade, and you get two first round picks. So you can look at K- 
Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. And who knows if, who knows how it would have worked out if the Giants had only had one first round pick this year. But you look at those two guys and you have to know that only one of them is a New York Giant if they only have one pick. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you have to look at the sum total of what the Giants got you know, instead of taking Micah Parsons or Rashawn Slater with that, with that pick. And, and I think that, that in the long run, you know, if, if Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal are pro bowl caliber players, then it's a wash and everything else is a bonus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and as far as the the Chicago bears are concerned, I, I would have made that trade if I were them. I, I, I had no problem with Dave Gettleman making that trade from the Giants' standpoint. I thought that was a, it was great to actually see him accumulate more draft assets, including a, a, a number one, but I would have made that trade if I were the bears, bears too, because as you say, when you see the chance to take a swing on a quarterback, you do it. And Justin Fields might turn out, I mean, he's a dangerous quarterback actually mm-hmm. uh, at this point, mostly because of his legs, but he's got a strong arm too. And, and he can hurt you down field but the bears just like the giants have a wide receiver core that you kind of scratch your head and say well you know who's going to catch the ball and 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 score for this team (laughs) uh there's potential there they've got players like darnell mooney but uh Mm -hmm. but but, you know they're in a they're in a tough spot right now and justin fields might be the answer might not be an answer but whenever you take a swing for a quarterback that's the case there are no sure things in drafting quarterbacks in the NFL. right right absolutely not well you know tony will uh We'll have a chance to to see the Giants again on on Sunday in just a, a few short days. We'll see if they get to be uh, if they get to three and one or if they're two and two. And uh, you know, e- either way, they'll be a work in progress. And and you and I will be uh, will be back uh, doing this again next week. Looking forward to it. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.